Welcome to the Speaking Podcast. You can find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com or also on BitChute and YouTube as Speaking Podcast. I also have the Awakening Podcast, Meditation Podcast, the Learn Polish Podcast, and the Crypto Podcast, and all can be found on RoyCollin.com. Today, my guest, please welcome Madonna Hanna. Oh, hello, Roy. How are you? I'm wonderful. Thank you very much. And yourself? Oh, 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 I'm fabulous. I'm absolutely fabulous. Excellent. So you might let the audience know who's Madonna. And I presume you're not the singer, Madonna. <laughs> Roy, thank you for pointing that out. Uh, ever since Madonna has been out there, yes, we have we have been connected. We really have. But uh, I am Madonna Hannah, and right now I am in Tacoma, Washington, in the United States of America. It is early in the morning here, but it looks like it's going to be a nice sunny day. And presently, it's about 62 degrees. I was born to speak. I'm a storyteller, motivational speaker. I have commentated fashion shows. I'm a Toastmaster and I have been involved in international speech contests. I also MC charity events. You name it, I think I've just about done it as far as public speaking. Excellent, excellent. So before we delve into the different things that you've just mentioned, I always like to know uh, the speaker's journey. So how was Madonna as a child? Madonna as a child? Oh, my. Well, I'll tell you, I started off first nine years as an only child, and I was able to use my imagination. <laughs> if you could picture a very young Madonna who unbeknownst to her was going to go into the fashion industry and eventually become a teacher there were times when I would set up my dolls and stuffed animals and I would give speeches to them I would tell them stories and I would also sell merchandise to them <laughs> so like I said I'm a born speaker and had their money to, to buy the merchandise off you. Well, the mer <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I had their money to buy the merchandise off you. <laughs> well, of course they did. I'm, I'm using my imagination. And if I'm giving them a sales pitch, you can picture a five-year-old uh, taking merchandise down out of her closet and presenting it <laughs> to an assortment of stuffed animals and also i did the same thing with my parents <laughs> apparels and, and accessories whether it, whether it was my father's brogue shoes or my mother's high heel shoes that also matched her purse and there was a hat too <laughs> i mean i had no idea <laughs> that all of that was setting me up to go into the fashion industry and eventually and I've, I've also done acting too. <laughs> that, that was me as a child, just always looking for something to sell, something to move around, always giving fashion tips to people. 
I was bo born to do that. Excellent, excellent. And like uh, you mentioned the uh, actress. So I know that and you like because you had said about the, the Toastmasters and what I have seen, because, you know, I'm involved in Toastmasters as well, is that the people oh, yeah. that have that have done, uh, you know, acting, they tend to get further because they not only are they, you know, trying to get their message across, but they can use their, you know, their emotions as well from being trained in how to do it professionally. Yes. Yes, you, you're, you're exactly right. As a child, I was so absorbed with movies and watching television and imitating the people that I heard and also imitating their gestures, as well as noting the scenery and the costumes. And as I am reminding you that I am absorbing all of this as a five, six, seven, eight, nine-year-old child. I would often imitate the actor's emotions. <laughs> I would just repeat words and just try to do my best to emulate whatever actor, male or female, that I was listening to. Brilliant. Excellent. And like getting into the Toastmasters. Uh, so when did you get involved with the Toastmasters? And then you might tell us about your journey, because I have seen the pictures with all your trophies and it's very impressive. Well, why, thank you, Roy. <laughs> I have been a Toastmaster for nine years. My home club is Evergreen 333 Express, and I will be meeting with them at noon today. Since I am an experienced speaker, I was looking for something to do, and I know that there, that, that there was a contest involved. <laughs> so I thought that might be fun to participate in the international speech contest. And in 2015, I made it to the semifinals and I was there in Las Vegas com competing at Caesars Palace with Toastmasters from around the world. I did not make it to the finals, but I'm gonna say when they announced that the 99 people that were there had they were the top 99 out of the 30,000 Toastmasters around the world who had participated. I thought, oh my gosh, well, that's okay to be in the top 99. <laughs> exactly. No, no, so fantastic did. achievement. Yeah. Yes, yes. And since then, I have been in, you know, I continued to compete, and uh, it's just been a wonderful experience for a competitive person like myself. And it also gives me an opportunity when I'm practicing my speeches as anyone who's, who's listening, who has participated in the international event, you have a chance to visit various clubs. And with COVID, I had a chance to visit various clubs around the world to practice my speech to prepare for uh, to to prepare to prepare for my various uh, steps in the uh, competition. Excellent, and like with with the one that you got to the semi final, 
Like, how did you practice? Because I probably a lot of people might know, but when you if you do get into the final, you have to do a completely different speech, I believe. Yes. Yes. So I how did, did you prepare for the semi? And then did you have one ready or what was your strategy? I my strategy was to visit as many clubs as possible and receive feedback so that the speech was tweaked as much as it could possibly be tweaked uh, as far as content and delivery. I did have another speech prepared just in case I made the finals. And that is very, very important that if you're going to compete, to also have that second speech ready to go and to have practiced that second speech. I've been told that that is very important because sometimes contestants are very surprised that they've made it to the finals. And now, and excuse me, at that point, they pull out their, their second speech and start to practice it. Whereas some people, some competitors come in, they're already ready to go with that second speech because they've been out there visiting various clubs and practicing that second speech also. You have a massive advantage when you do that compared to somebody that's just kind of get practicing, you know, at the event because there's no way that uh, you'd be at the same level. Exactly. You are exactly right. And I feel that that is really, really good advice to give to contestants who win the district and, and, and actually anybody who is competitive competitive have that second speech ready to go and make sure you're familiar with it it's a speech that you feel very comfortable about giving and can do your best at it it's an interesting one actually an interesting dilemma because if you have practiced it that you're you know in your head you're going i'm going to the final so i'm going to go around and do two of these speeches in whatever among the clubs and if you have kind of your inner circle that kind of go yeah they're all excellent but i prefer this speech speech a say do you go in with your speech a to get into the final or do you hold your speech a and as the winner the winning speech you know it's a, it's a it's a hard one isn't it? that is that is a dilemma because your contest speech which gets you to the district. And when you win the district, you know that you are going to have to present that same speech at the semifinals. There is sometimes a dilemma between which speech do I like the best and should I go ahead and deliver this one, speech A, as you said, or boy, I really like speech B. Oh, I like it. Uh, mm, you know, and I think you just have to go with your gut feeling. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I think that you have to do, that with your club and within your district, sometimes they'll, they'll help to guide you. They'll, they'll say, well, you know what? I really feel like 
this is your competition speech here and that this is this should be the speech that you go with in the finals so you mentioned that uh, UMC kind of charity events. You might let us know what that entails and how, how you go about that. Thank you for, for asking about that. I like to MC charity events and I think that what makes me particularly good at it is because I do have a background in salesmanship. When you MC an event where money is going to be raised, first, it's good to mingle with the audience, get to know them, because in my case, I already know, and, and, and I tell the people who hire me that I'm going to get them to spend more money than they thought they were going to spend. You know that when yeah. you go to an event, you know, you decide, some people decide, okay, we're only going to spend this much on a live auction. We're only going to spend X amount on a silent, on these silent auction items. Okay. The silent auction items, you know, that's one thing, you know, you can talk those up. And then when you are doing that live auction, you have to be able to make people feel comfortable, have them join the fun and get them so excited that instead of spending X, <laughs> they're going to spend X, Y, Z. And with my salesmanship ability, being able to deliver a pitch, being able to look some people in the eyes because sometimes there's like a bidding war at uh, be between a couple of tables for, for an item. Roy, oh my gosh. I, I don't know if you guys do this in Poland, but sometimes in, in America, there's what we call a dessert frenzy where you have people bid on a donated dessert. Uh, and I can remember a time when there was a pan of German chocolate brownies and <laughs> there were a couple of tables that were bidding furiously on them. And I got them up to $250 for a pan of donated chocolate German, you know, brownies. And it was so much fun because, uh, you know, it was, okay, this table over here. Oh, I know you're going to open your wallet up and, you know, to what, what, whatever, the bid was, maybe, maybe it was 150. Oh yes, you're gonna do that. Yeah, we got 150 over here. And now this table over there. Oh, I know you wanna go to 175 for those delicious brownies. Oh my gosh, you can just smell the homemade ingredients. Oh, that butter. Yeah, it was freshly churned this morning, probably. I mean, you know, you know, people will start to laugh. They know the butter wasn't freshly churned that morning. But but when you can get them in a really good mood and you can talk things up and then, oh, 175 over here. Oh, my friends over here. Oh, I see you looking in your purse over there. You, 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 you're, you're looking for a little bit more money, aren't you? Because this is going to go 
to 200 and you're going to go, you're, you're going to take it to 200, right? Yes, you are. Okay. I'll, I'll stop it there, Ray, but Roy, excuse me, but you can start to get the feel of how much fun I can have at a charity auction because of my retail background sales, knowing how to deliver a pitch and also my ability to act too. <laughs> no, I mean, listening to you there, no, that was fantastic. Yeah. And I'd love to be in the room to watch that. That's, that's amazing. Well, it, it really helps a charity to raise, to raise significantly more money because the audience and it's so important. The audience has got to be able to engage with the person who is emceeing and doing the auctioning. Sometimes I get to do both. Sometimes I'm simply the MC warming people up and I will introduce the auctioneer and we may banter just a tiny bit. But uh, yes, if, if anybody has the opportunity to do both, be the MC and also promote uh, the, the other venues to raise money, just relax, have fun, look at the merchandise yourself so that you can uh, pick up some tips. But you see me being in sales, I know the benefits and features of, of, of a product so that I can tailor the information so that I can paint that picture to the people who uh, are going to spend more money than they thought they were going to spend. Brilliant. No, love it, love it. And I know you've been involved with uh, Rotary Clubs as well, but you're just uh, speaking at them or are you actually a member? Speaking. Speaking. <laughs> yes, I'm often asked to speak at various venues, whether it's the Rotary Club, schools, elementary, middle school, high, high school, and uh, some colleges too. Hey, I'm a motivational speaker and I can also talk about customer service, bullying, sales interviews. How, how to interview and how to dress for interviews. It just depends. And I think that when people think public speaking and they want to be public speakers, you should always speak about something that you know about. <laughs> Don't just pick something out of the air, but it, it, it makes it more enjoyable for the people who are listening, it makes it not only enjoyable, but it's uh, informative so that people walk away with some information that they really didn't know about before, or you have framed it in a different way that piques their interest to find out even more about uh, what you were talking about or more about you as a speaker. Oh, brilliant. And what I like actually is, uh, you know, that you concentrate on the anti-bullying and what's, what's strange is I, I mean, I ask a lot of my guests to tell me they're kind of, you know, their kind of childhood before they get speaking, how they came about it. And a load say they were bullied. I was bullied as well. And you might kind of, because 
there's a high percentage of people that have been bullied and it's kind of brushed under the carpet. I don't think people talk about it as much as they should. So you might kind of, what things that you can maybe tell the audience that might help help there? Roy, I'm sorry to hear that you were bullied and you are very correct that, gosh, practically, practically everybody I meet, not everybody, but a high percentage of people have been bullied. I was bullied because of the color of my skin. I was raised in a white suburb of Boston. And when you are the only one who looks like you <laughs> in a classroom, <laughs> not all the kids, but there's always a couple of kids. I, there, there, there were four little white boys <laughs> who just stayed after me and stayed after me. And at the time when you're being bullied, when you're young, you think your life is always going to be like that because it seems like it's never, ever going to stop. I know that I wished I was another color, but as I grew older, I found out that, gee, people get bullied because they're tall, because they're short, <laughs> because their hair's straight, because their hair's curly, because they have freckles, because they're pretty, they're not pretty. People can be bullied about absolutely any and everything. And I learned that I'm not going to care about <laughs> people who don't like me because of the color of my skin. I cannot do anything about it. And I had to learn how to accept me for me and to look at all of the talents and skills that was given to me, that, that I was born with. As, as I was telling you, as a child, I'm giving sales speeches <laughs> and sales pitches to my toys. <laughs> you, know, I'm, I, you know, I'm referring to the clothes in my closet as merchandise. <laughs> I'm redesigning labels for, 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 for canned food. <laughs> and I was actually writing letters to uh, companies about, you know, give, giving them suggestions about their products. And this is as a child, I'm doing this. I had to look at these skills and say, this is me. It is more than the color of my skin, but this is me. This is what I'm going to pursue. And I'm gonna say the best thing about me being bullied was that it helped me to develop a thick skin. Going into the fashion industry, you need a thick skin. <laughs> yeah, I've heard, I've heard that's a very hard industry. Yes, uh, I was at, at the corporate level in uh, retail management and then at the corporate level in uh, women's apparel manufacturing for, for a uh, national, national corporation. And... Wow. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's not just people being prejudiced against you because of the color of your skin, but it's just, it's just how people do business. They can be very cutthroat and you can't take it personally. And, and plus I also modeled and I also hired models and I was very nice 
to the models that uh, I did not hire, but, but there were people who would, you know, get upset because they wanted an agency to send them uh, a brunette, but a redhead showed up and it's like, why they send me a redhead? I can't do anything with a redhead. Get out of here. You know, and, and if you can't take that, you know, you know, because you have to look at it like they asked for a can of peas and you gave them a can of corn. Like, what is wrong with you? I can't do anything with the corn. I wanted peas. And that's basically, you know, I've simplified it, but that's basically, you know, what it, what it is. And so you have to be able to have a thick skin to take rejection. And hey, I went through that <laughs> as a child. So, you know, this became a piece of cake. Once I, you know, I, I, I did leave the uh, fashion industry to become a fashion marketing teacher. I didn't know I was going to go into teaching, but that's how, it, you know, things, things happen. And one of the things I wanted to make sure of was that no child was bullied in my classroom. And I didn't teach high school. Nobody was going to be bullied in my high school. I put my foot down. And I let the students know, along with, you know, my other expectations that no one is going to be bullied. I would say, I don't care who you don't like. I don't care. Because most of the time in your work world, in your work life, <laughs> you'll be, uh, you know, if you do like everybody you work with, <laughs> you will be an exception. Because most of the time, you have to, and I did teach human relation skills, you have to be able to tolerate people. Not everybody's going to be like you, you know, not, we, we, we are not clones and you need to be tolerant of people and expect, expect and respect them for what they can do and don't compare them to yourself. Like that person is stupid because they can't do what I can do. Well, no, they're not stupid. It's just, we all have different talents and skills. So, um, you know, like I said, I didn't put up with bullying and it made the classroom environment conducive to getting a lot of work done. It was a very calm classroom and the students enjoyed coming to the class because they knew that nobody was going to pick on them. And if they did, they'd have to deal with me. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. And like listening to you now over the last half hour, your vocal variety is impressive. So I don't, <laughs> I, I, I don't think people realize the importance of that, especially in a competition, but just, say, you know, when you're on stage, whether you're doing the MC or whatever, so you might just let people, you know, how they should practice and what, what's the best tricks for it. The best tricks, first of all, record yourself record yourself just reading a newspaper or reading a children's book then listen to yourself and be critical step outside yourself also listen to really good speakers listen to uh really good storytellers and what makes them a good storyteller what tips can you pick up from them to develop your own style. 
those are the those are the two best tips that I can give is to, like I said, record yourself reading the newspaper, reading a children's book, and also listen to other really good speakers and critique them. Why are they good? And ask other people, why are they good? What did you hear? You know, there, there are exercises that, that you can do with your voice, like saying one word 10 different ways. Like, stop. 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 That's a simple one to do. Madonna, stop. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. No, I like it. Yeah. Okay, Roy, I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's fantastic. It's it's a brilliant way of practicing. It's like, yeah, because people don't do that. They don't realize it. And sometimes they're very monotone. And you have to keep the, Ooh, the audience yeah. engaged. Yes, yes. And you can also do that with a turn of phrase too. Okay, just take, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to give you three words. Engage and captivate. Engage and captivate. Engage captivate okay and you know because sometimes people you know if i say i'll oh, just do a word would also say that if you wanted to do another kind of vocal variety activity is to take one sentence how do you describe vocal variety and emphasizing a certain word like how do you describe vocal variety how do you describe vocal variety how do you describe vocal variety? 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 If you, ho hopefully you noticed a difference. In of course, how yeah, no, no, it's like excellent. Yeah, no, that's, yes, most that's, people don't even think of that, but it, each one, you know, it's, cause even you could be pointing to somebody like, how do you, you know, describe vocal variety as you point them and just different things. Excellent. I love, I love them tips. Yeah. So, so we've got those two activities that people can easily share. Let's see. I'm trying to think is if there's anything else. Do you, do you have any special tips when it, when it comes to speaking, Roy? I like I always tell people to sp speak from the heart and something that you're passionate about rather than some story that you read or whatever because when it's like for example if you were talking about bullying that's something you're passionate about and people will feel feel the passion and everybody's got that story and I think that if you when you're speaking if you go from the heart as a instead of from a piece of paper or something that you've read or researched you have a way better chance of connecting with the audience they feel it they feel you you're, you're exactly right. When I go out to um, schools to speak about me being bullied, whether it is a middle school or a high school, doesn't matter how old I am or what color I am. When I stand up in front of a group of children and say, I was the kid that sat at the table all by myself at lunch. I start to see, you know, certain children like, Oh, really? You know, even here, because I'm older than them, but you're like, even back then, you know, because I'm that kid. I'm the kid that 
if I sat next to somebody, they pushed their chair away. I'm the kid that when somebody invited me to their home and their parents saw me and they pulled their child aside and said, you need to tell Madonna she needs to go home. <laughs> you know, he's on the wrong car. <laughs> they never told their parents a little colored girl or black girl was coming over, you know, and, and that's me. <laughs> and children feel that whether it's elementary, middle or high school. And, and when I tell them about how bystanders can help. And, and in fact, you know, when you're being bullied, you kind of hope somebody would, <laughs> you know, stand up and help you. And, but I also share with the children that when other kids were bullied, I was glad because at that moment, it wasn't me. And that's something that not everybody tells an audience of kids that when you're bullied and you see somebody else being bullied, you're, you're, you're just, I mean, you're not jumping for joy, you know, but you're just glad that for this moment, it's just not you. Cause you know, your number's coming up, <laughs> but for this moment, it's not you. It's just not you. So Anyway, I, anyway. I think, no, no, I think uh, a lot of the time the children are bullying because, especially in the racial issues, because the parents are, and they basically, the, the child would never do it, only that it was, they witnessed their parents doing it. And sometimes I think the child has to teach the parents that this is wrong. Yes, you you are exactly right. If, if, if we have time, I have a really quick example. I was maybe 13 or 14 years old. My mother had sent me into the, you know, sent, sent me to the store. Now, there were two separate incidents. One time it was right after Easter and I was walking in the store and this baby in, in, in the shopping cart, he looked at me and he said, mom, a chocolate lady. You know, you know, he was thinking like, wow, I know I got a chocolate Easter buddy. But this is a chocolate lady walking around the store. His mother turned red from embarrassment. But but you see, that's innocent. Yeah. That's innocent. Another time I was in the grocery store, like I said, I was 13, 14 years old. Oh, this just broke my heart. Another little kid in the, you know, grocery cart. And he pointed his little finger at me and he said, Mama, look. And he said the N-word. This is a kid who was maybe two or three years old. And his mother looked at me and he looked at me and they both had this hateful look on their face, Roy. I left the store without picking up what my mother had sent me because I was so scared at that point. I didn't know what was going to happen to me. And I was just shaken by this three-year-old child pointing his finger at me and saying, mama, look, and using the N word and, and the mother turning and looking at me. And I thought that parent has taught that child that word because a three-year-old does not know the N word yeah, and yeah. less 
you know, <laughs> parents no, are at exactly. home. No, totally. totally. And sh- yeah. shame on that mother for doing that. Like, you know, because that's, you know, that's how it keeps spreading. You know, you just have to nip exactly. it in the bud. And I love, like, because, you know, there's plenty of speakers out there just speaking, but I love when somebody has a mission and they're just helping others, especially, you know, that you've gone through the bullying yourself and you don't realize by just having the speech in the classes how much you're helping people. You know, you can change their life. You will, you know, you might never find out, you might never go back there, but you're definitely putting a ripple in the water, you know, a little pebble in the water. There's plenty of ripples just by what yes. you're doing. And I, I love that. I love when people have a mission like that. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank, thank you so much, Roy. And, and, and thank you for bringing that memory up to me when you, when you said, you know, when you mentioned that parents teaching, because that's something that I had not, uh, thought about in a long time but something that people need to hear you know to just get that visual of just the the two contrasts you know the mom being you know blushing from head to toe because his child is looking at me as a wow a chocolate lady whoa (laughs) you know as opposed to yeah, the other mom. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, it would have been worse if the child actually took a bite out of your arm, thinking you were. I know. Gosh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he would have got a surprise, wouldn't he? <laughs> well, she's not chocolate. Wow. <laughs> you learn something new every day. That's right. Yes, that's what I learned. <laughs> Yes, oh, yes. Brilliant. Listen, you know, Madonna, I, I love speaking to you. What, what, what I want to ask you finally is Dropkick the Drama website. I mean, that's a cool name. How, how did you come up with that? What's it about? I was giving a commencement, a graduation speech to a high school, obviously. And I told the seniors, you got to Dropkick the Drama. You're going out there to the outside world and all this little drama that you had in high school. It's time to leave that. It's time to leave it. And when you go out into the world, out into the community of the world, look for opportunities to give to other people. Reach out. And if you see a, if you see a wrong, write it. Don't get involved in drama. That wastes your time and energy and you need to move forward. Use your talents to help other people. Beautiful, beautiful. So Thanks. that's that's the website. You may let, what's the best way for people to contact you, Madonna? They can go to my Instagram, Madonna Fit, Fast and Fabulous. <laughs> Facebook is Madonna, the letter B, Hannah. I had had no idea how many Madonna Hannahs there were in the world. And my website, which is dropkickthedrama.com, or they may email me at madfashion, M-A-D-F-A-S-H-I-O-N, 2001 at yahoo.com excellent i'll make sure that i put all the the links in the podcast description it's been wonderful speaking to you madonna oh it has been a pleasure roy i've had so much fun speaking to you and 
thank you. Thank, thank, thank you for leading me in a, you know, in a direction where, you know, I didn't think I was going to go today, but that's the sign of a really good interviewer. And this has been a pleasure for me, Roy. Thank you very much. Excellent. So that's all for the Speaking Podcast. You'll find all our episodes on speakingpodcast.com or on BitChute and YouTube as Speaking Podcast. Be sure to give us a five-star rating, a review, thumbs up as it all helps. Until next week, take care. This podcast is sponsored by Kulabula, creators of websites, animation, and digital art. To get a 10% discount, go to kulabula.com and put in the discount code speaking mm-hmm.